Good morning, family. All right, let's get situated right quick. How's everybody doing today? All right, that was like eight of y'all. Come on now. Good morning, family. Y'all awake? All right, let's figure out how we're going to do this laptop and this microphone at the same time. Uh, as James mentioned, my name is Tim Austin. I have the privilege of uh, serving in the Brooklyn ministry and the singles with my fiance, as they mentioned earlier. Um, it's a privilege to be here with you, family. Uh, I, too, am encouraged backstage just hearing the singles pour their hearts out, their convictions, and that poem, man, that poem. It's a problem. Um, clearly, we are gifted and we are talented. Let's go to God in prayer, and then we can start with our message. Amen? All right. Father in heaven, you are mighty, you are loving, you are powerful beyond measure. God, it's a privilege to be here today uh, to worship you together with brothers and sisters, Lord. God, I just ask that your spirit will be here today. It clearly has been with the service, God. I ask that you move me out the way and let your words, God, speak. I pray that as we look into your word, God, that you speak deeply into our hearts and transform our minds. Uh, let nothing that I say, God, be outside of what you intend for us today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right. This is different. Um, we'll work it out, though. So we're going to start off with a little activity. Is that all right with you guys? What is the very first word that comes to mind when I ask this question? Who are you? Okay, keep it, keep it in your minds, okay? So you got the word? Everybody's got the word? You got the first word that comes to mind when I ask who are you? All right, now you're going to put an adjective in front of that word. Everybody got it? So now you got two words. Now share that word with someone next to you real quick. This is weird. All right, all right, all right. Everybody got it? All right, now we're going to do the same thing with a different question, okay? So two words, two blanks. Uh, who would your closest friend say that you are? And now share that with someone. You got it? <laughs> the more time is two words. Uh, all right, so the next one is, who would your boss say that you are? Two words. And then share that with the person next to you. All right, let's bring it back in. How'd that feel? Feel good? Felt great? Some of us are still waking up? All right, amen. I know service is at 10. This is different than Brooklyn, man. So why did I ask you these questions? I asked you so that we could start to think about the way we think about our identity. The truth is we could all write a long list of the many things that make up who we are. We, we, we often think about our relationships, right? and the roles that we play. I'm a father, I'm a mother, I'm a brother, I'm a sister. We often think about our careers, right? What do you do? Uh, sometimes we think about our ethnicity, right? I'm Jamaican, I'm Haitian, I'm Trinidadian, Dominican, Guyanese. Maybe you're mixed like me, I'm black and I'm proud. <laughs> um, we may think about our hobbies. I'm a dancer, I'm a music lover, I'm an athlete. Why is this important? It's important because what we believe about ourselves matters. You see, most 
don't just casually take an inventory of who we believe we are, right? That's not something I really want to do on a Friday night. You, know, you want to get together and write down our identity. No, nobody does that. But the truth is, those thoughts and those ideas are still floating around in our minds. And they will inform the way we live our lives. Because what we believe about ourselves ultimately affects our sense of self-worth and even our mental health. If disciples are meant to be the ambassadors of God on earth, then developing a strong sense of identity of who we are in him must be a priority. So who does God say you are? Well, God says you're treasured. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. My first point is the treasured know their worth. The treasured know their worth. 1 Peter chapter 2. Start reading in verse 9. It says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You know, it's so cool to see this language because Peter's really pulling this from the Old Testament. If you flip over to Exodus chapter 19, starting at verse 4, we see God saying the very same thing to the Israelites. He says, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. The context of this is so cool because God has literally just freed them from Egyptian slavery. He just rescued them from a society that worshipped all these different gods. And he says, will you be mine? You've seen that there's no God as great as me. You've seen that nothing can stand up to me. Will you be my treasured possession? And so now in the New Testament, in 1 Peter, God repeats the same thing. But now the promise is for all of us. And so we can totally relate to this, but I think it's also important for us to know who Peter is writing to. And in the very first chapter of 1 Peter, it tells us, he writes, To God's elect, to strangers in the world, scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Peter was writing to Christians who were scattered, for fighting, scattered and fighting for their faith. Because during this time, the only thing popular about being a Christian was persecution. They got it from the Romans, they got it from the Jews, and even from their own families. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine the government, the church you grew up in, and now even your own family, all opposing your newfound faith in Jesus? If you were beaten, no court would protect you. In families, if you weren't the head of the household and you were kicked out, you'd literally have nowhere to go. You'd have to turn to disciples. You'd have to turn to the church. And maybe you can relate to being ostracized by your own family by your decision to follow Jesus. You see, identity to them was more than just a group to associate with. It wasn't, oh, I'm so-and-so and I'm a Christian. Their discipleship was everything. And so Peter When he writes, he's trying to build them up. He's saying, listen, I know you're going through it. 
I know life is unbelievably tough right now. And I know you've had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. And you're getting opposition from every side. But remember your worth. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's treasured possession. I know you may not feel chosen or royal or treasured, but you are. You know, there's something that we can learn from people who can no longer lean on their prior system of self-worth. There's something that we can learn from people who have the pillars of their identity stripped away. Today in 2018, there are over 68 million men, women, and children who have left their homes and countries to escape war, persecution, and political turbulence. We call them refugees. We call them asylum seekers. But these are human beings who risk their lives in hope of safety, stability, and the opportunity to build a better life. But often they're met at the border of countries and told, I don't, I don't really care what you're going through. You can't come in. You're not welcome here. Imagine being born into that. Imagine not having a place to call home. Today in America, over three million people are known as dreamers. And they hope that under the DACA, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals Act, they'll be granted citizenship in the only place they've ever called home. Some people near and dear to my heart are dreamers. And I've seen that being in limbo can be a scary and a frustrating place. And when it seems like the government is just going in circles, I'm sure it's difficult to not know where you stand. Now, I don't wish these circumstances on anyone, but can you see how, as a Christian, it would force you to rely on God? To the rest of us who aren't faced with those struggles, we need to work a little bit harder to find our worth in God. Because we've been given relatively comfortable lives, the danger for us is that we find our worth in the wrong things. We get our self-worth from the temporary when God has given us an eternal identity. See, if we're not careful, we treat our decision to follow God as an add-on when it's meant to redefine the foundation of who we are. Family, many people leave God because they have not done the work to deepen their faith and to make who they are in God the foundation of their identity. In my short five years as a disciple, I've seen it. And I'm sure you have too. I've seen people choose intimacy with a human being over intimacy with a perfect God. I've seen people choose freedom to sin over true freedom in Christ. I've seen people choose comfort over sacrifice time and time again and then wonder why they have no faith. Family, the world has enough people who choose God and insert the thing you long for. That house, that car, that relationship, that husband, that wife, that family, that promotion, that addiction. But you are chosen to be different. But you are treasured by a God who knit you together in your mother's womb. But you are precious and loved by a God who sacrificed for your soul. So family, I ask you today, where does your self-worth come from? Where does your confidence come from? Is it deeply rooted in who you are to God, or is it only on the surface? We need to know our worth. We need to know that we are valuable, not because of anything that we've done, 
but because of what God has done. We need to imitate Paul's attitude in Philippians chapter 3. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 7. So Paul has just listed all these reasons why he could have been confident in the flesh. He talks about his heritage, he talks about his upbringing, all these things that would have been truly impressive. His resume would have been popping. But in verse 7, he says, But whatever work gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. We can relate to Paul. We can relate to wanting to find confidence in in other things, in things that outwardly are impressive. See, before I became a disciple, I was all about appearances. What I wore, what I accomplished, and what other people thought of me, that was my Lord. But deep down, I was just insecure. I was looking for value and worth in the wrong places. And even now, as a disciple... I can still be tempted to look at the outward things. I can think, oh, you know, I'm responsible, I'm ambitious, my gifts are perhaps you know, more outward than others. Paul considered all that stuff garbage. Instead, he chose to find his self-worth in God. You know, I believe this is one reason why Paul was so effective and why God worked so powerfully through him. Yo, Paul's life was inspiring. Paul was bold. He was full of faith and conviction. And I pray to grow into a faith like this. I pray to have his patience and his endurance and his willingness to suffer for the gospel. Paul was in chains. He was shipwrecked. He got stoned. He was flogged. He was thrown in jail. If Paul was living in Harlem, he'd have some street cred. Paul went through some things. And yet he still kept fighting to advance the gospel. And that's the purpose of us being treasured in the first place. 1 Peter 2.10 says, We're treasured so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Could it be, family, that all that stands between us and God working just as powerfully through us is where we choose to find our self-worth? I mean, Jesus said we would do even greater things than him. If you're a disciple... You are treasured by God. How would your life change if all your confidence came from that fact alone? How much more bold, persistent, and faithful would you be? If you're studying the Bible or visiting today, God wants to redefine your identity. Choose him. Choose him. Nothing else will last. The treasured know their worth. Do you know your worth today? My second point is the treasured represent like royalty. Turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. John chapter 1 starting at verse 11 says, He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet... To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, 
but born of God. The treasured represent like royalty. Representing God begins with a mindset. We aren't just treasured people to God. Through Jesus, we get to become his children. God could have decided to save us anyway, but instead he he adopts us as his sons and daughters. He welcomes us into his family. And being the child of a king, well, that makes us royalty, right? Do we have a royal mindset? Because being in a royal family usually comes with a certain behavior, right? It usually comes with a confidence. We call each other bro and sis, right? But we do that because we're children of God, because we're in the same kingdom. But I think that because that, that, that verbiage, that language is so ingrained in our culture, we can miss the weight of what we're actually saying. Essentially, we're calling each other prince. We're calling each other princess. We're calling each other child of God. Sisters, you are the daughter of a king who loves you unconditionally. Brothers, you are the son of an almighty, powerful God who promises to be with you always. I wonder, church, how often we remind each other of that fact. And not just in a way that sounds good, right? Like we hear people, oh, what's up, queen? What's up, king? Like not just in a way that sounds cool. But I wonder if we remind each other of that with conviction, like we mean it. <laughs> I call my fiance una hija del rey. It means a, a daughter of the king in Spanish. And I do that partly to remind her of who she is, but I also do it for me. I do it so I'm reminded to see her the way that God sees her. When you look around, do you see children of God? Brothers, we need to treat our sisters like God's daughters. Sisters, we need to treat our brothers like God's sons. Representing God begins with a mindset, but is perfected on the inside. The treasured represent like royalty. Let's talk about the inside. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Starting at verse 11, it says, Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, in case you missed everything else, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. We are holy and we are dearly loved because that's what children of God are. But then he calls us, Paul calls us, to have the heart of a child of God. You know, last night I got a chance to stay with some brothers, uh, and they don't, they're not in the hall of ministry, but they live over on 135th. And uh, there was a little issue that broke out last night. Uh, somebody ate the last slice of pizza. <laughs> and as somebody who was serious about my food, I can understand um, so there was a little bit of a disagreement last night, but then this morning, you know, as we're making breakfast and, and getting ready, I was so encouraged to hear them work out their differences in a godly way. 
I was encouraged to, to hear them not let this, this unspoken tension just remain in the household, but to work it out. To say, I want to hear where you're coming from. I want to hear, you know, the way that you view this. Um, and I asked them if I could put this in here this morning. Uh, that's how you represent, like, royalty. You clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You bear with one another and forgive one another. Family, does this characterize our relationships in the church? Or do we let bitterness and resentment grow in our hearts? We need to talk it out. We need to pray it out and let the love of God flow through us to others. The truth is the world needs what we have. If you watch the news, all you can see is that the world is suffering. And we're also called to treasure the lost. But if we don't handle relationships in the church in a godly way, then what are we offering to the lost that's different? We need to represent like royalty. It begins with a mindset and it's perfected in the heart. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Start reading at verse 20. It says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Our citizenship is no longer here on earth. It's where our dad lives. It's in heaven. But it would be strange to claim to be a child of God and a citizen of heaven, but not invest the time to get to know him. But someone who eagerly awaits Jesus' return is someone who invests in getting to know him. You see, the more we understand who God is, the more we understand who we're chosen to become. But if we don't get to know him deeply, intimately, and consistently, then we won't change. If we don't get to know him for ourselves, we won't transform on the inside where it counts. We won't be royal children. We'll just be stunt doubles. See, the difference between royal children, royal children are respected, and they stand up for who they represent. They roll out the red carpet because they know that this person represents something that is greater than them. But stunt doubles, they just need to look the part. They just kind of need to represent the person or the actor that they're representing. Are we going to be royal children? Are we going to be stunt doubles? Family, we need to be in our Bibles. We need to be in our prayer. These things need to be strengths of ours so that God can transform our hearts and our minds. The treasured represent like royalty. Harlem, you are treasured. We need to know our worth and we need to represent like royalty. In closing, I'm going to need Amari's help to do a little bit of a demonstration. I hear movement. I think it's on the way. Oh, amen. Clap it up for the brothers helping the brother out. I feel like royalty. Amen. Okay, so 
We started off talking about identity. And I asked you guys a question, who are you? So now, these ping pong balls represent all the opinions that are out there about who you are. That's what you think of yourself. That's what your family thinks of yourself or you. This is what your friends think of you. I'm get a big handful. This is what social media thinks about you. Uh, this is what society thinks about you. The truth is, if we let all these opinions about who we are fill us up, before we know it, whoops, there's no room left. So now this water represents God's word. This water represents the fact that you were chosen and you were treasured. This water represents the living water of God. And so what happens when you fill yourself with God's word, let me move this over a little bit. You fill yourself with God's word. You get to know God for yourself. All those things that other people say about you, all the things that society says you are, all the things that social media says about you, it can't stand. We need to be people who know our worth. We need to be people who represent like royalty. Because what happens is, when you're treasured by God, anything anyone else says stays on the surface because you're filled with God's word. Let's be people who are treasured by God. Amen.